Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher and the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, Taryn, a long and daunting and busy Monday for the Flyers. They have moved on from Elaine Vigneault, firing the head coach in the morning, along with assistant coach Michelle Tarian. Mike Yo is taking over in the interim. And then on top of that, the Flyers lose their ninth straight game uh, with a 7-5 loss to the Avalanche. Really tough time times in Flyers land. Taryn, I will start with this. Was it the right move to move on from Vigneault right now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> My answer is yes. Um, yeah, I, I kind of was surprised it didn't happen last week, to be totally transparent. Um, I, I do know what Chuck Fletcher was saying and what he meant by what he was saying about, you know, there were a lot of games on the table this week and there were a lot of opportunities to earn points this week. And if they could turn it around, he wanted to see it happen this week. Um, and when the first game went as poorly as it did against Tampa um, on Sunday night, I, I kind of think his his hands were tied there because they're hard to imagine things getting better from that, especially because um, I I don't know. I I could be just seeing things based off of, you know, the things that you hear and putting it together with what you're seeing and this, that, and the next thing, but it it just really did seem like there was such a disconnect on the ice from what um, he wanted the team to be doing um, and what his goals were for the team and what the team was doing out on the ice. So I, like Chuck Fletcher said in his press conference yesterday, it, it was pretty evident that some kind of new voice was needed to try to get something else out of these guys. And the timing sucks, if we're being totally honest, um, because it's in the middle of a back-to-back, A, and it's in the middle of a five-and-seven-day stretch, five games and seven-day stretch, B. So, um, yeah, I, I was – a little surprised more so that it didn't happen when the Flyers had those three days in between games um, prior to the Tampa Bay loss. But I, I thought once the Tampa game played out the way it did, there was really no choice um, but to do something, whether it was Tarion or Tarion and Elaine Vino or whatever. And I think the the one thing that you look at from this and, and you hope that it's a positive that they can lean on in the interim is that uh, Mike Yo is a voice that the players like. He is a coach that the players will play for. I do think that we saw some of that last night. Colorado is a very good hockey team, which can't get lost in all of this, but kind of will, and, and I understand why. Um And so I think Chuck figures, you know, if I got to make a change, this is what I'm going to do and I have to do it now. And that made sense to me. So again, the logistics of it all kind of surprised me and I, and they are crappy, but you can't keep losing points. So uh, see what the flyers can do here tomorrow against the devils. But yeah, I wasn't, wasn't all too, all too surprised and um, thought that it was better now than later when it came to to making some kind of drastic move. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. 
crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Yeah, Jordan, I would say the only, the thing that I am, I, I would agree with Taryn that I was a little surprised on the timing because going into that Tampa game, I think all of us kind of knew what was going to happen. Um, that's not exactly a team to get right against. And things, I, I think things went worse than we thought they would. But I think we all kind of had an idea. They were not going to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. They were in a bad place. The injuries and just the mentality and where the team was entering that game. I think we kind of knew what was happening. And um, so it was a little surprising that they didn't do it, like Taryn said, when they had that three-day break. Um, but that said, once that game happens, I don't, I don't think you have a ch- – you can't let him coach another game. I don't care how many games and how many days you have. It, it just can't happen because um, it, it, this kind of stuff is, it, it will wear on the players. And – you know, um, it's – look, they gave up another touchdown last night, so it's not like it got better last night in terms of defensively. But there were aspects of the game that did look better last night. They scored a power play goal. They scored five goals in a game. I mean, these are things that didn't happen. Again, they gave up a touchdown, so by no means am I saying <laughs> this was a good game by the Flyers. But it was a different game. Um, you, you saw Morgan Frost really flash on that uh, on the shift where he set up Drew's first goal. Um, there were some things to take away. If you look back at the previous few games, I don't know how many things there were to take out of those games that weren't negative. And when you make a coaching change and you have Mike Yo come in as the interim coach – you have no time to really do anything before the first game. You have to get – I feel like you need little puzzle pieces to put together. And I think the Flyers got a couple little puzzle pieces last night to start to fit together. And hopefully it can build into something. Um, so, you know, they had to do – they had to make the move they made yesterday morning – and we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, uh, I mean, let's see how they look against the Devils, you know, with a, um, the, the second game under Mike Yo. And then, you know, you have your first – I understand the Devils are a road game, but you have your first real road trip with the back-to-backs over the weekend, Arizona and Vegas. So, you know, let's see how that goes and see if they can get any more of those kind of puzzle pieces to fit together and um, see if they can get things headed in the right direction. Well, and you guys can tell me if you disagree with this, but I felt like the Flyers, I mean, honestly, probably all eight of those those losses, not all eight, but like the last five of the eight losses prior to last night's loss, they, look lost. they looked lost in the game. There was no puck possession. The power play had poor entries, couldn't keep the puck in the zone, couldn't keep the puck in the zone at even strength. Um, looked lost defensively at times, the whole thing. Last night, I thought they looked they they looked like they got beat by a better team, 
they did not look altogether lost all the time. Like I would say the five, the five games of the eight game losing streak, maybe six, I'd have to look back at the actual schedule and break it down game by game. But there were games where there was just so little offensive zone time, so few scoring chances. The power play was such a negative point, such a momentum sucking part of the game that it, you just felt like this team is lost and they can't find the North star. If you point, point it out to them. And last night you didn't get that. They had puck possession. They, the power play looked better. Um, they had the power play goal. I, I thought it was as soon as I saw the move for Mike Yo to put Oscar Lindblom on the top line, I thought that is a great move by Mike Yo. I remember talking to Scott Gordon after Dave Haxtall got fired about Oscar Lindblom and resetting Oscar's mentality and how good he can be when he has confidence behind him if he loses it himself, all kinds of stuff like that. And I felt like you saw so many of those things addressed last night. Was it a great game for the Flyers? No. As Joe mentioned, they gave up a touchdown. They allowed 50 shots on goal. There is still a lot to fix. But when we're talking about puck possession, energized offensive plays, creativity, license to be creative, these are things we have not seen in weeks. And it looked like the Flyers weren't going to find it. And they found some of it last night. And I know Colorado gives up a lot. Colorado also scores a lot. So the the seven goals, it's, it's inexcusable, especially because it happened on back-to-back nights. But that back-to-back was going to be an incredibly difficult back-to-back, even if this team was playing well before that. And then they were not. So to Joe's point, it, they got beat. They, they did not look altogether lost. And I think we saw two weeks, two plus weeks of a team that looked so lost. So you wonder if you can find yourself even more. The whole chat beforehand from Giroux was about finding identity. You wonder if you can find your identity a little bit more after a game like that, because there was nothing from the games before that to build an identity off of. Nothing, nothing. There were bad bad parts that, that you would say, we don't want to do that anymore, but there were no building blocks. Last night there were building blocks, which is not enough. Like I'm not sitting here trying to deem a moral victory. It's not enough. They need points. They need to actually win games, especially against teams in the Metro. But it it was nice to look at a game and go, there's some things you can build off of here because it's been so long since we've had one of those games. It really has. And it dawned on me uh, just how wild it is that one game can really make or break a coach in his tenure. Um, obviously, the losing streak got Elaine Vigneault fire. Where the Flyers are got Elaine Vigneault fire. But a lot was put into that Lightning game, that 7-1 loss. Chuck Fletcher said after watching that game, I felt we needed to make a change. So uh, it's just kind of crazy how the Flyers have – a 2-1 loss, or maybe they win that game. Um, what could that have done for the Elaine Vigneault area? Maybe the Flyers go on and and they salvage this season. It's just that it was just kind of crazy to me how one loss, a, a loss like that, gets people fired and uh, it makes teams uh, look for you, change and look for. Do you new. think? Do you think that if they win that game, AV? I, I don't know. I, I'm I, there's a little bit of speculation here, but it's not speculation based on like absolutely nothing. The, the, the feeling the feeling around all the writers and everything that we talk about and everything that we know is that at some point there is a disconnect between AV and this team. And it became apparent last season. There were rumblings about it at the end of last season. And then it 
short sort of showed itself this year on the ice also. Do you think if they win that game and he stays head coach that that there's an ability to reconnect whatever disconnect was there? Because I I kind of didn't. I don't either. I don't need, I don't think that I don't think that they would fire a coach after a win, but I think it's all it would almost be like, okay, let's wait till the next time yeah. they played really bad and then we'll fire him after that. Um yeah, I, just, I, I agree mean, with just that. one like just optics, you're you're probably not gonna fire a coach after they beat the two time Stanley Cup champions, but it's almost like delaying this inevitable conclusion that everyone yeah. knows is coming. Um and you know, you you guys both mentioned the the skill of these two teams that they just played. I mean, last night you watch the Colorado has three lines of players that can just absolutely snipe the puck. And I mean, the the first few goals last night, I, a couple of them was like, who is that guy? What was that? I mean, not yeah. I'm not speaking of Landeskog or. Cadre or those guys. I'm talking more about um, like uh, the Eric Johnson shorty Newhook. or Alex Newhook. <laughs> like, yeah, Alex Newhook. Um, or like Nate McKinnon's not doesn't have a goal, but they still score seven goals, and you're like, that's the Avalanche. Like they can right. do that. Yeah, and and um, you know, Taryn. Oh, the other night on post game, you pointed out. Um, I think it was in the Lightning game, and it might have been the last goal that Tampa scored when Carter Hart just fired the puck out of the net after it was in. Yeah. Uh, maybe game. it might've been the goal where he came out and tried to pulled. play. Yeah. yeah. It was and, the fifth um, goal. It was flyers were PK power play PK. Were they? And then he came out and he, I'm ha- it's all bleeding together guys. And he came yeah. out to try to play the puck, misplayed it. They scored. And I'm sure part of that was internal frustration at himself, but part of that is, and it's a concern. And I brought it up on a lot of shows. people talk about last year being a horrible year for Carter Hart and it was, but it didn't start off horrible. It it got horrible right before that outdoor game, I would say. And then it just, that outdoor game just broke everyone and it got bad. And, and there was the COVID hit in the midst of all that also. Um, And that's what scares me is when this team's given up a 50 burger in terms of shots on goal and seven goals, two nights in a row, and 18 goals, I believe, over their last three games. So you're averaging six goals per game given up at that point. Um, You do start to worry about any goaltender getting away from themselves to overcompensate, especially because, I I mean, God bless the guy, but you look at like the one turnover Keith Yandel had last night that led to a goal, and you're you're like, how, how as a goaltender do you play that and those things kind of those defensive breakdowns aren't altogether um, uncommon at the moment. It's just, and you worry, you worry. So at least now, I think hopefully, if if the Flyers can continue to feel like they can be creative, and that puck possession versus chip and chase is maybe the approach stylistically as well, that that maybe they'll get some run support, but. Jordan, I don't know. I don't know about you, but to me, it didn't seem like it was just a new voice. It was a new voice encouraging a different style that seemed to impact last night's game, from my opinion, from where I'm sitting and watching. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. 
or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. No, I think that's fair. I think Mike Yo is going to implement some of his um, stylistic preferences, uh, how he wants them to play. Um, I do think there are similarities between him and Elaine Vigneault in terms of Tough to play against, four-check-oriented, possession-based uh, type of game, all that fun stuff. But I do think he'll make his tweaks. Uh, but I do felt I felt like it was mostly just um, a wake-up call. Claude Giroux called it a wake-up call. I think when uh, guys of of the um, of the caliber of Elaine Vigneault and Michelle Terrien get fired, um, it is a wake-up call. And I think it re-energizes players. I think it tells them, hey, we need to get this right. Uh, we don't want other people to lose their jobs. We don't want players to leave. Um, so I, I think all that kind of comes together and you tend to get a much better effort. Uh, so it is weird to say a 7-5 loss. The Flyers did take steps, but I mean, that's where the Flyers are. <laughs> uh, they're in a nine-game losing streak and they were coming off a 7-1 loss. So you know what? A 7-5 loss, uh, there was a lot of positives, I think, to take out of that. Joe, I will go to you here and I, I want to get Terrence's thoughts as well. Could Mike Yo be the guy? Can Mike Yo be the guy moving forward uh, long term? Do you think he has a shot to win this job, or do you think they'll go elsewhere? Uh, I, I think they'll go elsewhere. Um, I know the, the Rick Tockett, John Tortorella, those are names that are the hot names out there. Um, I, I think they will go in a different direction because uh, I think they need. I think they need a little something a little bit splashy here. Um, I don't think this is just about uh, X's and O's. I think it's it's they need something a little splashy. Either of those guys would be um, splashy. So I, I think they'll need. I, I think it'll need to be that. Now that said, they're on the hook for twelve and a half million for Aline Vino. So I don't think it's out of the realm that Mike Yo coaches the rest of this season. So. Um, you know, I think that's definitely a possibility. Um, I think a lot of this will depend on if if they're playing with energy, if they're giving themselves a chance to win games uh, in the near future here. I think that will depend that will determine some of the urgency with what the next step is, whether it's Mike Yo or somebody else. And um, you know, I, they have. 
we all think an Olympic break coming up in February. Um, whether the Olympic, you know, with the health concerns and all that, whether that happens or not, there's there will be a break there in January. So February. I kind of feel like there's a there will it'll be a, a test up until that point, and then they have a little bit of time there where they can make possibly make a decision. Um, so I do think that that's a possibility that that's the way this plays out. Um, we'll see, but I, I think it eventually will end up being someone else and, um, they'll look for something splashy, which as I mentioned, a Tocket or a Tortorella would, would, uh, you know, would, would definitely be that. Yeah. I, I feel like that could be the case too. And turn, I want to get your thoughts. I, I know some people might look at Mike Yo and they say, oh, well, he's just from Chuck Fletcher's past. Like, is that what he's going to go with? Um, I don't think that should be the thought among the fan base. Mike Yo, I think, is a qualified guy. Uh, look at his track record. He's, he's done some good things. He's won a Stanley Cup as an assistant with the Penguins. Um, he's a very good interim coach right now. Perfect, I think, guy for right now for the Flyers. And I wouldn't count him out uh, losing this job, but Taron, uh, how about you? What do you think uh, outside, or do you think Yo has a chance to win this thing? Um, I think realistically, and I really like Mike Yo. Like he's a great guy. I think he's a great coach. I think you look at his track record immediately after taking over a team, and that should give you some some optimism. Um, particularly what he did in St. Louis when he took over. Um, but realistically, I think they're going to look elsewhere to Joe's point. I think they're going to look to make a splash. I think that, look, it's on top of wanting to win hockey games, which the Flyers need to do and which personally I care about because I got to go talk about the hockey game television and I would like to watch a winning product. um, There is also like, it's also a business. And I think that the ownership front office people are going to want to bring in a name that they feel like are going to put butts in seats to watch game and make games and make people believe they can win. I don't think everyone is overly aware of Mike Yo's track record, right or wrong. Um, and his track record is pretty good. And I think people, Tortorella and Tocket are big names. They're, they're both on national broadcast for hockey right now. I, that just is something that resonates with people a as them being big legitimate names and Rick Tockett is the ultimate flyer. We talked about it uh, during the Hall of Fame induction, you know, seven ways to Sunday, which I think plays on the nostalgia of people and people think he could get this team going and they want the team to be tougher and this, that, and the next thing. And they feel like Rick will be able to do that. And Tockett's very publicly a big accountability guy. I was talking to Scott about this last night. He was like, you know, the thing with Rick or the thing with um, Torts is he'll he'll bench you. He doesn't really care who you are, what front office people say, what you say. He, you know, he's Mr. Accountability. He doesn't care about any of the outside noise. He's implementing things the way he wants to do it. And and I think people know that and they want that from this team after seeing them struggle, after seeing the team, you know, I hear all the time, this team has been mired in mediocrity for the past 10 seasons because they make the playoffs and then they miss the playoffs and they make the playoffs and they miss the playoffs. And if they make it to the second round, everyone's excited because it has happened so infrequently over the past decade plus. Um, so I think people 
look forward to the idea of like a torts really coming in and laying the hammer on this team and trying to right their ship. Um, but to Joe's point, again, the Flyers signed Elaine Vigneault to a five-year, $5 million per year uh, contract, and he made it two and a half years. So if you divide that by two, they still have $12.5 million to pay him to, you know, do whatever he's doing. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they want to go out and splurge on one of those moves right now. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if Mike Yo is able to lead this team in a positive direction, what their approach is then. Because when Mike Yo took over St. Louis, I think they won 22 of their first 32 games under him as interim head coach. And then he led them to beat the wild in the postseason. So you wonder if like he can do something similar here, how this plays out. But I just think long-term they're, they're going to look at the resume and the name power of some of these other guys who are available. And it's real hard to pass that up. So it, it will be interesting. I, I don't, I, I think Mike Yo's track record is, is uh, underappreciated, but I, I just think that when it comes to trying to re-energize the entire franchise and the entire fan base, they'll, they'll probably look elsewhere at some point. Um, just because Tockett and Torts are, are two names that move the needle kind of like across the NHL as well. And I, I will say this too, Jordan and Taryn, but if – if Mike Yo were to go on and do that and lead this team to the playoffs, right now a lot of people are probably saying, who's Mike Yo? what's he all about? If he were to lead this team out of this kind of abyss right now into a playoff spot, I don't think anybody will be asking who Mike Yo is anymore. So it's almost like Mike, if, if, he, is, if he is going to be long for this job, he needs to – build the resume that people don't know that he has or, or kind of uh, feature it. Whereas the other two guys have their resume built in already. Mike Yo has to make people realize what he's doing now and what he has done prior to Philadelphia. Um, but if he makes the playoffs, I mean, considering where they are right now, it would be, and, you know, Mike's been on the other side of this, too, where he started a season, was relieved of his duties, and Craig Berube took over as the interim head coach, went on to win a Stanley Cup, and obviously has been the coach ever since. And that interim title is something that people probably don't even remember that was attached to Craig Berube's name in mm -hmm. St. Louis. So, you know, guys have this – in these situations, they have to almost – prove their worth even though they've already worked several years to do that it's like you have to reprove yourself and i think that would be what mike yo is tasked with if he is long for this job in philadelphia outside of that i think they go to try to make a splash well and it's i just think the hard part is is that even if he proves himself if he gets this team to the postseason if if he gets them through a playoff round that is still so much, there's so much to compete with when it comes to Tockett's legacy here in Philadelphia, which was built up over decades and Tortorella's legacy all over the place, which, 
And the shame of it is, is Mike Yo is a coach that Flyers fans should like. He he's a great guy. He's tough. He's very no BS, but he's like he almost reminds me of like a Tocket, but who's not from, you know, who doesn't have quite that like East Coast attitude to him. Um, in that he's he's got sort of this loving way of being no BS with his players. We've seen it before. Like he can be tough on guys, but he does it in a way that's like, I'm I'm doing this to try to make you better. I want to make this team better. I want you to succeed. The whole thing with Oscar last night, he said, I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to put you on the top line. I don't know how long this is going to last or how often I'm going to do this, but I want to give you this opportunity. It's yours to take it or to lose it. And that's very Mike Yo. And I think it's a coaching style that Flyers fans could appreciate. The fact of the matter, again, as I said before, this is a business. We know the franchise wants to put butts in seats to watch games. And I think the name Tortorella, the name Tocket, the legacy that comes with them automatically move a certain needle, a certain distance. And Mike Yo has a very uphill battle to try to move that needle the same amount to make people believe in him as the leader of this team. Um, and that's going to be the hard part for, for him. That being said, I mean, there's, there's no saying he couldn't do it. I just think it's so, it's so hard. It's going to be very hard for those people in charge to look away from the bright lights of the names Tockett and Tortorella, especially because it's already become such a discussion piece. Um, it's already been so talked about. Like, can you imagine Rick Tockett back in Philly with his hands on this team? Could you imagine John Tortorella, you know, with his hands on this team? You know, it's already become such a topic of conversation that I, I, it's, it's a little unfair that I think Mike Yo's already getting lost in that conversation a little bit when he very well could. He has the pedigree to, to maybe do something with this team. So it'll be interesting. Jordan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, very similar to your guys. Is uh, I do think Mike Yo has a shot to win this, but he does have to do something somewhat special with this team uh, in terms of turning it around, getting it to the playoffs, maybe winning a round. I know that sounds crazy right now, but that I think is something that he would have to do. Um, but I do think the organization will look for something of a splash. Uh, they're going to want a name that maybe pops because right now the, the organization and the fans, I think, do need to be re- revitalized and re-energized and, a uh, great way to do that is by getting a, a, a head coach, a brand, a brand name head coach, um, or a brand name player. Uh, so right now they tried revamping the roster over the offseason. Um, it hasn't really produced results yet. So what's the next thing that you could possibly do? Go out and get a big name. And, of course, Rick Tockick has a ton of Philly flair. People love him here. John Tortorella, obviously, big time past. Uh, I will say with Tortorella, I, I – I do think he's a good coach, and I understand his pedigree. But Elaine Vigneault had a very similar um, aura to him of accountability, presence, toughness, demanding, and people loved it at first. Uh, but that type of stuff can sometimes grow stale, um, I think, among the fan base and among players. Like Some of those coaches have shelf lives, and I feel like Tortorella is one. So, But I think don't be too quick to fall in love with John Tortorella, I think, um, he's a guy that could could certainly come in here and do something pretty well, but that stuff does sometimes grow stale, and I wouldn't rule that out here. I, if I had to pick between the two, I guess I'm saying I would I would like to maybe see Rick Tockett just because I think 
um, his connections to Philly, understanding this city, understanding the players, I, I think would be pretty unique and uh, pretty uh, – I think it could benefit the Flyers. Um, I think it would make for a fun pre- and post-game show with lots of sit-downs with Rick Tuckett also. Yeah, right? Like, it really would. I know I, I, I know you and Joe would absolutely love it. I love, I love Rick, but I do, I do wonder about um, – I do wonder about Tortorella with this team. I don't know. I, I I know what you're saying and I do agree with it. Like it's, I I think he becomes, he becomes a little bit like black licorice for people. Like it's pungent. So you, you're either very in on it or you, you lose your affinity, your affection for it very quickly. Um, But the, I just, I, I think, Maybe the the thing with Tortorella, I think, is that he reminds me of so many of, like, my friend's parents growing up who were, like, really strict. Like, he reminds me of a lot of people I know from this area. (laughs) I mean, so does Rick. But And I think a lot of people here would love that. But to your point, I do think at some point it it is a lot. Um, But I also – Scott's insight on it is if he ends up getting hired here, uh, we'd have to bring Scott back on this podcast because Scott's insight on it is – and Scott said, he was like, I would have loved to have him when I was like in my 20s because he, he said it would have shaped my perspective, I think, a little different on how to approach the game and the league and everything. Um, and he had him as an older player. And he was like, at that point, it's a little tough because he's, he's really hard on, on his older players and um, literally hard on all of his players. But it's, it's harder to make those changes as an older player, I should say, to fit what he wants. Um and uh, where was I going with the sentence? I totally lost. This is what's happening. Oh, um, but he was like, but still, he, he was one of my favorite coaches to play for. And and he got the most out of me, even at like 35 years old. And I don't think we've seen the Flyers get the most out of any of their, especially their stars right now. We haven't seen the Flyers get their the most out of Sean Couturier, get the most out of Travis Konechny, get the most, um, you know, out of it's unfair to say Kevin Hayes because he's not really fully back yet, but they, they haven't gotten the most out of those guys for a few seasons. I would be really interested to see how torts could try to pull that out of people. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see. It could be Mike Yo, and he could get the most out of everybody too. Who knows? Who knows? And Jordan, I would agree with you that, that Elaine Vigneault, his rep is similar to Tortorella's in terms of what he does with players. Um, what I think Elaine Vigneault didn't have is this, um, it, it feels kind of weird to call it charm, but this charm that would appeal to this city and the fans. In other words, Elaine Vigneault is not a mean guy outwardly. And I feel like the second John Tor- Tortorella would call somebody out publicly or have a spat with a writer that he didn't like the question, not you, the present company excluded <laughs> what the, the, the 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 fans would eat that stuff up here. Um, because back when Ken Hitchcock was the coast coach here, it was, he was like that without, with a little less edge. And I feel like for a while people loved what Ken Hitchcock did here. Only the thing with John Tortorella is, John Tortorella could be an NHL head coach, or he could be like everybody, the guy they know from South Philly. That yeah, because he has that fire. 
Yeah. And that, that exactly. sort of passion. And that is what Elaine Vigneault didn't have. And I think if you, you know, like I said, people gravitated toward Ken Hitchcock for a while because he was very, when he was angry, you knew it. He said it. His, his post-game press conferences were very entertaining. He didn't have quite the edge Tortorella has, and I feel like that edge would make him such a favorite in this city. I, It would be fascinating to see, put it that way. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. And not to totally knock Mike Yo's experience, uh, I will say he's got more experience than Rick Tockett. I'm not trying to you know, hit on Rick Tockett, but Rick, I think Dave Haxtell's actually coached in more playoff games than Rick Tockett. So, uh, you know, I don't want to act like Mike Yo's the most inexperienced guy of the bunch and he has no chance here. Um, he's got experience and he's been around. He, he said it the other day, he's not a young pup anymore. So uh, I think he's grown and he, I think he's pretty eager for his next chance. Uh, so we'll kind of see where this goes. People don't really know. People in Philly, I feel like, don't really know Mike Yo here because he hasn't been um... – like a loud voice in the room under Elaine Vigneault. I think Michelle Terrian has like this whole reputation that precedes him. And we all know Lappy and we have a different relationship as a city with, with Ian LaPerriere when he was here. Um, Mike Yo never really tried, I think publicly to be at the forefront of anything here in Philly. I've been fortunate enough when I was still on the road with the team to be around both Mike Yo and Lappy together a lot with the broadcast crew. We would go out for dinners um, and Mike Yo and Lappy would come sit with us or we would have pregame coaches meetings and Mike Yo would talk in a lot of them. Um, <clears throat> I think the more Philly gets to know Mike Yo, I think they will really, really like Mike Yo as a, I, well, if he doesn't win, I don't think anybody's going to like anything. So let me preface it with that. But um, if they start winning, when people see Mike Yo's character, I think people will like Mike Yo. He's very, um, he has a very kind of blue collar, logical approach to to like a perspective on things. There's when he talks to you about hockey, it it makes sense where he's coming from all the time. Like sometimes AV would kind of say things and he would allude about other things. And you were kind of like, maybe he's doing that for that, but I don't know. And whatever. Mike Yo will just kind of sit down and be like, yeah, well, we're going to try this and it might not work. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to do this. And that's where we're at. So that's what we're doing. I mean, and I think Philly appreciates that kind of honesty. And, and also he does it in a way where he's like, well, this guy's underperforming. So I'm going to do this here you know, we're not playing well down the middle. So I'm moving Claude Drew to the second line, putting him in the middle, see if we can't get Frosty and JVR going. Cause we need JVR to score goals. We need Frosty to do more. Like he, he, he will talk to you like that. And I think Philly appreciates that. I think they like to feel like this guy thinks that we are on his level and, and is speaking to us as if he want, he's giving us the information that we want to know. And as paying fans, we feel like we're entitled to know I do think with AV, there was a little bit of like, I'm the puppeteer pulling the strings. You guys will see how it plays out when it plays out, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know that that, that always played well with the, the media or with the team or with the fan base towards the end. So, you know, it's it'll be interesting. I'll be interesting to see how things go and, and what the reaction to Mike becomes because – I just think people here don't really know him yet. That's part of the, 
the uphill battle for Mike. I don't think people know his, not just his resume. I don't think they know him. And, um, and I appreciated his honesty in his introductory press conference when he was saying, yeah, I really didn't sleep last night. And I'm, I'm not going to go changing X's and O's, even though I know everyone wants us to change our style of hockey right now. I, I can't change everything. We're going to look slow if we do that. And that just doesn't work. Um, I got to do this and I got to do that. And uh, I, I appreciated that kind of um, transparency in terms of how he approached that press conference with us and, and that uh, entire conversation, to be honest. And I think that's just how Mike is full time in my experience around him. It's interesting. He's in, in one way, he's in a head start on a lot of people because Chuck Fletcher admitted that he's not conducting a head coaching search right now. He's just not, uh, I'm sure it's going to start or it's going to be on his mind very, very soon if it's not already, but he's not currently like, going out and searching for a head coach. Like he just wants to be there for Mike Yo and honestly get the Flyers to win a game. That's I think their focus is just winning a game and seeing if they can get on a run. Uh, so in one way, Mike Yo has a head start, but as you guys both alluded to, uh, he's also up against some big names uh, in a daunting situation where he has to turn around a team now, whereas the other candidates possibly are not coaching. Uh, maybe they're doing broadcasting. There's nothing really bad that they can do. Mike Yo really needs to win the job. Uh, so – so here's my thing, though, Jordan. I know Chuck hasn't reached out to anybody, and he said that he has not started the coaching search or whatever. I would love to know how many Flyers alumni, people in an unofficial capacity, though, are currently – because I at least know a few who are just not, like, saying, like, hey, would you come here? Would you do this? But, like, who are like, hey, so sure, sure you saw the press conference today. What are your thoughts to, like, Rick Tockett and Tortorella? Because I'm sure their phones are just – blowing up with with people who are in unofficial capacities just being like so what do you think <laughs> oh 100 percent. i'm sure word gets around and people talk it's hockey's a it's like a circle you know like it obviously word gets around it goes around um it travels so people are going to be buzzing about they're it a clicky, they're a clicky bunch of gals and they all chat they all stay in touch exactly so i will now that we've talked a lot about big picture, where the Flyers could be with their head coach, uh, where is this direction going? Let's get back a little bit to this season. Joe, do you think this season is salvageable? Can Should fans watch and, and, and be interested in, in this team possibly going to the playoffs? Is that not outside the realm of the possibility for you? What do you think? Uh, outside of the realm of possibilities? No, not at all. I, don't, I, I wouldn't term it as likely right now, but um, – there are so many division games in the second part of the schedule that the way that the NHL has this um, the schedule set up now, and and I'm when I say now I'm referring to 82 game seasons. Uh, they backload the division games, and I feel like the reason they do that is because you want to have most of your teams fighting for a playoff spot after the holidays. And, you know, unless you're really bad this season, that would be like in Arizona, um, Ottawa, probably. But most of the teams are still in contention. And I think that's the reason you saw. Now, the Blues went on a historic run a few seasons ago, but still, they were able to do it because they played Western Conference teams, teams in their division, they were able to get those four-point games and those four-point wins. 
So I think the Flyers have a chance. That said, you can they cannot be giving up seven spots in games. Um, they can't be giving up five and six spots in games. They need to definitely tighten up in their own end. Um, hopefully they get Ryan Ellis back, and that helps in that regard. But um, I, I feel like that has to – if they can tighten up on the defense end, I definitely think they can do this. Um, as long as they can and keep the goal scoring consistent in that they don't go um, six weeks without scoring more than three goals in a game like they just snapped the streak of last night. Um, so, no, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities. But things definitely have to change. And when I say things, I don't mean the guy behind the bench. I definitely mean what's going on on the ice for sure. There's so much to explore in Valley Forge and Montgomery County, PA. Montgomery County is composed of charming towns and main streets, each with its own personality, style, and unique vibe. Whether you are looking to get away with family or enjoy a special trip with friends, leave behind the stress of planning and use our guide to find some of the most amazing things to do. Explore which town and main street suits you best or visit them all. Visit MakeItMainStreet.com to plan your getaway today. Taryn Hatcher, is this team going to the Stanley Cup? No. <laughs> well, Jordan, um, thanks for that question. Right. No. <laughs> so this- I don't know about that because that's an absurd question. Um, but I will say I was just checking the standings again because Al and I were talking about this the other day. Like the Metro, teams in the middle of the pack in the Metro are just giving away points against non-divisional opponents. So that helps the Flyers because even though they're kind of a a cellar dweller right now, the middle of the pack is really letting them linger. They're only nine points out of a wild card spot and both teams that are currently in those wild card spots, um, the Flyers have two games in hand when it comes to both of those teams. So it's really not, not that far for them to try to leap here. I mean, it is considering the way that they're playing right now. But it's not an impossible hill to climb, um, especially if their goaltending gets gets kind of back to where it was when they were bailing them out of games and they get some goal scoring. Um, but you like you have to beat the Devils this week. You have to win these Metropolitan Division games that you have coming up here because a lot of the points that the Flyers have given away recently, thankfully – were not well. Some of them were to Metro Division opponents, but some of them were to Western Conference uh, opponents, like teams where it stinks because you need the points, but you're not losing four; you're losing two. Flyers are going to start, like Joe said, they're going to start to be in games where if they lose, they it's a four point swing. It's not just a two point loss here, and they have to have to win those, um, which I know goes without saying, but it's not impossible. It's it's not and. The, the Metro, aside from, like, the Canes and the Capitals, it is not – there's there's not super drastic separation. I guess the Rangers are up there, too. Um, so the, the middle of the pack has given the Flyers a lifeline here, but they have to take advantage of it, They they which they have not. And they could – if they just go on a little run, a little bit of a run here – they'll be right back in the thick of things. And this whole conversation looks different. The problem is, is that that little run really does have to start like on Wednesday, it has to start tomorrow. So we'll see what they can do because 
there it's it, the the points are so clumped right now. They're they're so close together that it's it, it's feasible that they'll make the playoffs. I don't know about a Stanley Cup final, Jordan. Um, but to Joe's point, I mean, who thought the Blues were going to the Stanley Cup final when they came into Philly that that January, right? Um, and Clojure said that the team did look at that and they're, they are kind of using it, which I was surprised he admitted that. I thought he was going to say like, no, we're just focusing on ourselves. And he was like, no, I, I have thought about it. And I definitely have talked to the guys about it and that messaging and that it's, you know, it's possible to crawl out of this hole. Um, and to get into the wild card spot, the Flyers don't have to go on that kind of a tear. They just have to play better hockey more consistently um, but they don't have to go on that historic tear the way the, the Blues did, I don't think. So maybe, actually, maybe they might. I don't know. Hockey's a weird sport. And who saw this? I mean, before this losing streak, we were always we were talking about like, oh, what does it say about this team that they never lose two games in a row? And now here we are nine games later. So <laughs> hockey's weird. Anything can happen. And um, time's a flat circle. I feel like I'm in 2018 between the quarterback controversy and a coach getting fired on Monday and you know, I just I'm still trying to digest some of it, Jordan. To be totally honest, so your question about Stanley Cup final really threw me for a loop. Thanks. I did. I did not mean to do that, but you answered it perfectly, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, like another another. I, I think players a lot of times they try to like grasp on the things, and, and a lot of times it's uh, they're at the history when they're in these spots of like, okay, well we've seen it happen before. We did it that year, so uh, I don't blame players for thinking like that. Yeah, I mean, Drew mentioned the 10-game losing streak and making the playoffs. He he did mention it, and I think you can't rely on that, but it does it does probably help you when it comes to, like, getting a little bit of hope. 100%. And uh, one that I can think of, 2018-19, the last time the Flyers fired a coach midseason, Dave Haxtell, they were in worse shape. They were deeper in the season calendar-wise and game-wise. And at one point, they came within, I'm almost positive on this, they came within four points of a playoff spot uh, well before yeah. like the end of the season. Like They were on a nice yeah. run. They were four points within a playoff spot. They they got they were eliminated from the postseason, I want to say, with, with like two weeks left on the season. There were like hardly any games left. But yeah. they were battling until um, – because I was on the road with the team that season, and I remember it very vividly. Yeah. Um, it, it was ex- the end of the season. It was so exciting. They went on an eight game winning streak in like February, maybe Yeah, something did. like that. They went on, they went on a bit of a tear and they got themselves right back into striking distance. And it wasn't until I want to say the last week and a half or two weeks of the season that it was like mathematically impossible that, that then they kind of dipped off and guys were just trying to stay healthy at that point. Um, but that season felt like it got off to a significantly worse start than this one. It might just be because that was it was kind of hostile with the hextall hackstall of it all. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that 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 season they weren't as far out of it as as people I think thought that season shook out. Yeah, I feel like this team's better than that team too. I mean, that team yeah. went through eight goalies, so. Uh, <laughs> They you know, sure did, Jordan. They really did. <laughs> so you know, this team I did a lot of interviews about it. I I remember it frequently. Oh, yeah. So th- I think this team's in better shape, um, at least personnel wise. And again, being earlier in the season, getting this change earlier in the season uh, behind the bench. So I certainly think it's possible this team can make things interesting uh, 
flirt with the playoffs or make the playoffs. Um, I really think Ryan Ellis is still the guy that stirs the drink for the Flyers. I think he's the most important piece that needs to get back. Um, to me, Elaine Vigneault's tenure very much went downhill because he didn't have two top pair defensemen. Uh, he had it in year one, and they were pretty good. Year two, he only had one. And then this season, he had two for only four games. Uh, I really think that was a big reason it did him in. And if they can get Ryan Ellis back, they have two top pair defensemen, and they they're they are much more like 2019-20 team in my opinion. So I love I love what Al always says. He's like, man, the way we look back at Matt Niskanen, and now the way we talk about the return of Ryan Ellis, you'd think either one of them were Bobby Orr. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yes. yes. that's the impact they've had on this team, and that's the impact their absence has had on this team. Wild. I know, like Travis Sanheim even said uh, when during the all season when they um, when they got. You know, they remade their defense and they got a Ryan Ellis. And he just said, like, veteran guys do have a presence to them where it feels like you just feel like they're going to calm things down when you feel like the waters are kind of getting uh, stormy. And I think Provorov needs – I mean, I know he's gripping the stick extra tight, but I've always thought Provorov needs a stabilizer next to him. He does because yeah. he's so good when he feels like there is a another backbone in the building. Otherwise, I think he feels like he has to be everybody's backbone and he has to do everything. And that was the that was the value of Matt Niskan and that is the value of Ryan Ellis. Even if he does nothing else, if he just provides some extra stability in the building, I think it makes Provi a totally different player because Yowza, you know? A hundred percent. So you know, I'm not predicting a playoff team, but I certainly think this season's far from done. Uh, I think Mike Yo's a good guy, and I think this team has players that care. I do think Ryan Ellis could be pivotal. So if the Flyers are in just okay shape, like decent shape, head above water somewhat when he gets back, say, around late December, maybe January 1st, and if he can stay healthy, I think he could suddenly flip the switch for them. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll definitely see. Um, it'll be fun to watch. Uh, it's never a dull day in Flyers land. I think we can both agree with that. Uh, but Joe Flores and Taryn Hatcher, this was fun. Thank you so much as always. We're all dealing with the busyness of this. So great to see you guys. Really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, catch Flyers fans. Catch pre and post game live with Taryn Hatcher and produced by our very own Joe Fordyce. Three games in four days coming up. Uh, so they will be covering it all. Ben Berry, our podcast producer and guru, big thank you to you as well. And Flyers fans, as always, thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Frank Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and listen, and we cannot wait to talk to you.